0: It'll probably prompt you if you want to stay on because now I'm recording us. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to first off apologize for my quick text. I was in the middle of something and I should have been more attentive. And I also got mountain time mixed up with Texas time, which is, you know,
1: <laughs> a great thing. Well, what's funny is I asked you once or twice today, are you sure it's the same time zone? And I was like, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Hey, I'd rather have it this way than the other way, where uh, I'm an hour early instead of you being an hour early. So right. I'm glad about that. What are you drinking?
1: This is a Spanish red blend.
0: Spanish red That looks
1: that looks quite nice. Yeah, some sort. It's very, very, very bold. Yeah. It's like light in body but it is just it smacks you in the face with uh the flavor it's it's intense.
0: Oh my here give me one sec. I can see that you're uh you're sitting at
1: your new place. I am yeah I've been living here since uh like September I think or October. Yeah. It's and coming along. But- yeah, it's been that long. I mean, you left in what? Early September?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like right in the beginning of September.
1: Yeah. and it was like right after I took possession of this place because we had our barbecue and you were gone.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, I remember those steaks. They're so good. Slightly overcooked, but still pretty good.
1: I've been perfecting it since your, oh. your uh, visit that day, so...
0: Have you still been going to the same uh, butcher shop? I think it was, uh, I forget what it's called. Yeah.
1: Yeah, only on special occasions uh, because they are expensive. Yeah, they you know. really
0: are. But it was definitely worth it. It was, it was such, a, such a good experience. It was, uh, what was it? It was like a, those T-bone steaks with some asparagus. That's all mm-hmm. you need, salt and pepper. Yeah. Oh, and we had corn, I think.
1: Yes, very Midwestern. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you gotta gotta add that that little bit of flair, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so thanks thanks for being willing to do this. This is super awesome. Uh, I've more or less been podcasting for like I think it's been two and a half ish weeks, and it's, it's been a it's been a really good time. And uh, I feel like the stuff that you do is very different than everyone I've spoken to so far. So I wanted to throw in this bit of like a you know fresh perspective. So, do you want to briefly uh, talk about or summarize what you what, you, what you're up to?
1: Uh, what I'm up to is building a real estate empire to uh, provide income to allow me to do everything that I want to do without having to spend much time on things I don't want to do.
0: No, no big deal. A real estate yeah. empire.
1: Yeah, I mean, I obviously say that jokingly, but at the same time, I'm serious. I think that if you are not going to set big goals, then you're not going to make your little goals. I was having a conversation with a coworker today that told me he couldn't get below 169 pounds, and that was, and his goal was 169 pounds. Or he couldn't get to 169 i told him to set it to 160 because if you overshoot it's much easier to hit your mark than it is to actually just hit your mark so right. i'm going to take that approach
0: yeah hey man you you i mean it's you're already doing it right you're already down that that path so i want i want to uh for those of for those who are listening who don't know you right like i guess Where are you currently at in that process of building the real estate empire? Uh,
1: I would say step, well, very early. Um, I have just bought my second property a few months ago. And right now I uh, am buying my third property. Uh, I'm wanting to purchase a property in the Phoenix area. And I'm thinking it'll be a multifamily. I'd like to, to Airbnb one of the properties and traditional rent the other two for stability. And uh, I'm currently interviewing and soliciting investors to uh, come up with the seed money for this next place.
0: Okay, so j- just to like backtrack a little bit, how would you describe your two properties that you, you, you currently own? I guess, so first off, they're in Colorado, right? Which is, which is awesome. But how would you describe this?
1: Uh, The first is a condo in Arvada. It is three bedrooms. And uh, I purchased it a year ago with a method of investment called house hacking. I lived in one room. I rented the other two rooms on Airbnb. And that's how I met you. Yeah. And... Um, that was going so well and COVID was happening and I knew I was going to be bored. So I decided to buy another place, which brings me to this one. It is a single family attached house, which is a very fancy way of saying I live in half of a duplex. Instead of having many neighbors, I have one attached neighbor and this is a four bedroom place, one bathroom. I'm currently in the middle of adding another bathroom to the basement and adding another bedroom.
0: Wow. So from my perspective of someone who's never purchased a home, right? I feel like purchasing your first place would be a huge deal. And then purchasing your second place is just like extra on top of that. So can you kind of take me into your mind when you were buying your initial place, which is the condo?
1: So the condo almost didn't happen. Uh, When you're buying your first place, it is a big deal. Not because you want to find, at least not for me, I didn't care about finding my forever home. I cared about finding the best deal for my very low price range that I could find. And I was discouraged because I'm from an area of the country that. You can still buy a fifty thousand dollars house. So coming here, it's obviously anything but that. This is a very expensive market, and uh, my price range was, you know, like two two fifty, and that that's on the very low end of the spectrum. So I was really hesitant about pulling the trigger. But all of the podcasts, all of the experts, all of the YouTubes say, just do it. Get the first one out of the way. And after that, it's all smooth sailing. Was it? It it was, yeah. Uh, It was hard to pull the trigger on the first one. And then on this one, it was so easy. And actually, before this place, um, I found a place that was more expensive than the one I just bought by a lot. Uh, it was three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. I walked in. I saw every possibility, every potential for what I wanted to do with it, and I just said, "Let's make the full price offer." Wow. It wasn't. It wasn't enough, but um, it was in that moment that I knew there was nothing holding me back anymore. The only thing holding me back was me, and. I'm going to try to minimize that as much as possible.
0: Uh, so I'm, I definitely want to dig into to this concept because I love that. I love that there's no more restraint. But uh, when you were buying your initial property, was it under the sort of pretense of I'm going to use this as an investment, right? You said it's not for your forever home.
1: So Correct. you
0: went into it thinking you were going to house hack.
1: Yeah. I thought that I was going to live in one room and rent the other two rooms like roommates, but be able to charge them more than, you know, a traditional roommate situation where you're dividing everything.
0: Yeah. And you were able to do that through Airbnb. Uh,
1: That's the, what I ended up settling on. Yeah. The path I took, but I bought the place with a 5% down loan and that is why I chose the house hack rather than just buying investment property because I was able to get into it for 5% instead of 25% down. Oh, I see. Yeah, so easier cost of, or lower cost of entry and easier way to get in with so minimal out of pocket.
0: Well, I guess uh, I, I wanted to still get into the, your mind then. Like you said, uh, okay, the first one's the hardest and all the experts were saying, you know, just do it. This is gonna work out, but What was, I guess, what was, was there any calculation or sort of development that really allowed you to be convinced
1: that this is the right move? I'm a numbers guy and everything I do comes down to assigning some sort of uh, value and probability to it and, you know, helping to determine the, the path that I take. And yeah, to answer your question, yeah, there was something that really helped me make a decision. And it was, I saw the place come on the market. It was the first one I've seen with three bedrooms in my price range in the area that I wanted to be. And I was like, yeah, that's okay. It went off the market. And then suddenly, a couple of days later, it was back on the market. And I was like, okay, this. Now it's too, it's too tempting to not uh, try to see this time. So I looked at it. Uh, I looked at the, the numbers. I looked at what it was going to cost me per month. Uh, I looked at what I could rent each room for and it made sense. And then maybe, well, I put, put the offer in, it was accepted. I was under contract we started going through the process and i started imagining all the possibilities and that's when i thought wait a minute airbnb and it was then that the numbers really made sense because i was able to multiply the the income that was coming in and multiply the cash flow so instead of being able to live for free and have one or 200 extra dollars a month I was able to live for free, have more than a thousand extra dollars a month and open myself up to a whole new level of write-offs that I didn't even know possible.
0: Wow. So, uh, how long did it take you from initial concept of I'm going to buy a place to, okay, I'm going to put my offer onto this seemingly like almost, um, I don't know what the the word is. The fact that it came back onto the market is kind of interesting, right? Uh, I guess how long was that? How long was the time between those two points?
1: Uh, When I first decided to buy a place um, and and was serious about it, to acquisition was about three years. Wow. Uh, The reason why it took so long was my credit was horrible. And there was no. I was qualified to buy a hundred thousand dollar place. Well, you're not buying anything for a hundred thousand dollars in Denver. And if you can, you damn sure don't want it. Um, when I was actually credit qualified, serious, it took me one year. Uh, Eleven months of that was hemming and hawing, and that last month was okay i i want to do this let's let's get serious
0: yeah so i guess what went into uh deciding on the location right like you had to restrict yourself to uh, presumably some part that's close enough to denver is, is that what was really in your head
1: really what i did was i looked at uh Locations with nearby proximity to where I work because I was tired of commuting every day and the cool areas were golden old town Arvada and Belmar and Lakewood of the three old town Arvada was the first that was large enough and in my price range where the numbers actually worked. Which is really all that matters
0: yeah so you were just okay it was more or less doing your due diligence and figuring out geographically what's close enough and still works more or less wow did you, you feel overwhelmed at all during that process because maybe a lot of uh you know areas fit that fit that kind of standard
1: well yes i guess no absolutely i did because I am so easily prone to analysis paralysis. I set down one path, and then suddenly my path resembles a spider web, and I'm trying to uh, determine the best path out. But by that time, you've just, you have so many options and so many paths that you don't know how to proceed, or at least I don't. So it comes down to quantifying your, your requirements and figuring out how to narrow it down in the most uh, efficient way possible.
0: So it, it, I guess, do you have a real deadline when you were going about this process?
1: No, no, I... Uh, At that point, I should say I had no deadline. It was just something that was either going to happen or it wasn't.
0: Yeah. Do you think if you had a deadline, it would have helped with that analysis paralysis or made it worse?
1: I think for me, it would have made it worse at that given moment because buying that first place was really only possible because I just saw a Zillow email that said, hey, this property's on the market. Hey, this property's back on the market. Uh, had I not seen either of those emails, I wouldn't be in that property.
0: Wow. So I'm, I'm guessing that kind of thing, uh, that kind of uh, occurrence informs your approach today where you're really paying attention to the different property apps.
1: Yes, and it is helped me better create filters to refine my searches and it's also made me better able to go to a market that I have never lived in and very quickly set up, uh, variables to determine where it is that I want to live. Uh, how close is it to downtown? Is downtown a place that's fun that you want to be? Uh, where are the major areas of crime? Where uh, are clubs and bars and restaurants, and nightlife, what's walkable, what isn't. All of these just very quickly run through a filter, and I find the areas of town that work for my criteria.
0: Wow. So it seems like it's pretty pretty automatic at this point, right? You know exactly what you're looking for?
1: Well, I wouldn't say exactly, but I have a much better idea today than I did a year ago.
0: Yeah. I want, I, I still want to, uh, I kind of like really delving on this part, but I really want to get into the the head of you as a beginner, right? Like your mind as a beginner and you reflecting on that mind now. So I guess you mentioned that all the, the podcasts, the YouTubes, right? All of these different resources were pointing you in this direction and you, you ultimately sent it not, not just based on those, but also based on the numbers. So the numbers make sense. I want to know what kind of resources you were looking at. Like what, what were these, um, What were these resources that were telling you that you should do this?
1: Like which sources of information?
0: Yeah. I mean, like, uh, is there a particular podcast or is there a particular, uh, website that was really helpful?
1: Uh, biggerpockets.com. That's pretty much what everybody in, uh, real estate investing is aware of. They have about five different podcasts and they, are mostly real estate oriented, but they also have personal finance and uh, money podcasts. There's a uh, podcast called the millennial real estate investors. Not that I'm a millennial, but uh, I can still listen just the same. Uh, Maybe at a slightly lower volume and the uh, YouTube, YouTube is a phenomenal resource. You can just put in, anything you want to find and their algorithms will help scrub what you don't want and give you what you do want. Um, Those are the three, three biggies.
0: Okay. So yeah, you were just, I mean, again, it just really sounds like things were all pointing in one direction. So you, you ultimately send it. So you, you, you purchase or you put, put an offer and it gets accepted, right? So this is still in the condo. And uh, it's three three bedrooms. And, you know, this is actually the place that I stayed at and it was beautiful, right? Did you beautify it or was, was that part of the deal?
1: <laughs> I bought it from, uh, the sellers were a company that does fix and flips. Okay. So apparently they bought it for only $90,000. Wow. And they um, made it brand new throughout uh, three bedrooms two bathrooms and everything just looked very clean very nice white and gray and modern
0: yeah i mean that's what really drew me to the posting i saw the kitchen and i was
1: sold <laughs> <laughs> i wish i could open the kitchen up a little bit more yeah uh, but apparently i have a affinity for buying galley kitchen properties it, It's so, that way <laughs> yeah we'll see what i can do on the next one
0: uh, okay, so you have uh, you bought okay you bought this this property. It's very nice, three bedrooms. You're living in one of them, and you're you're uh, you basically have to fill it with stuff, right? You have to make sure that it's livable. I guess did you do that on your own? Did you have also sort of um, I guess like designers to help you in that process?
1: Um, I have a friend at work and his fiance, they just became engaged. Uh, She is a designer and she very graciously helped me to decorate and lay out the different rooms uh, to make them more appealing for Airbnb guests.
0: So what were some of the, uh, I guess, characteristics of the rooms if you had to, to, to describe them?
1: I would say that for the most part, they're modern or contemporary styled.
0: Okay.
1: And they uh, are designed to keep people in their rooms. Uh, I, okay. I like having interaction with the guests, but at the same time, I don't want them to be living in my living room. That's my living room. I want to create a space for them to, to feel to want to stay in their space.
0: Right. So I guess what components go into that? Like maybe, maybe a TV. Uh,
1: Yeah. A place to sit, uh, something to watch. um, You know, just a, maybe a desk, like a little rolling laptop desk. Yeah. And uh, just things that are more thoughtful touches to, to keep people in their space and make it feel like their own really. You know, it's yeah. not just about encroaching on mine, but it's also wanting to give them a feeling of belonging.
0: Okay. So, I mean it seemed like again, I've lived there and it was amazing. So, I really didn't leave my room very frequently. You even, you know, <laughs> had the sort of you gave me this desk that was very nice to to work off of. I eventually did move into the living room, but it was it was it was kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you've um, you have this place now. You filled it with furniture, and now you have to put 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 the, put the postings on Airbnb, right? So, yeah. I guess uh, this is your first time doing it. So, what, what was that like? What were some of the challenges?
1: Um, the challenges are that I'm a perfectionist.
0: Okay,
1: and I must have taken a million photos before I found photos that I didn't totally hate to use. Uh, I reworded every single bit of my ads many, many times. Uh, The problem is almost always me. And if it wasn't for me and my being a perfectionist, it would have been smooth sailing, but the descriptions were easy the photos were easy uh price setting that was the difficult part i wasn't exactly sure where to set my prices and ultimately when i started i used a service that set all of my prices for me okay and that way i could at least remove that part of it they charge one dollar per hundred so i thought i can live without a dollar for every hundred
0: so, how uh, do you know how they go about setting those prices, or do they not really reveal their mechanics?
1: They have an algorithm that looks at uh, availability of hotel rooms and other Airbnbs and the prices they're all set at. Uh, they look at demand. Uh, they look at if there's a concert in the area or events that draw people to town, and if they they find ways of you know raising it or lowering it than they do, and it automatically updates on your calendar.
0: Okay, uh, so that service is that sounds very useful. I didn't. I actually didn't know that you were doing that at one point.
1: Yeah, it the service was called Beyond Pricing.
0: Okay, and they specifically work with your Airbnb posting.
1: Yes. And I think they also work with a lot of the other platforms like Verbo and, um, well, I don't know what the others are, but okay, there's quite a few of them.
0: <laughs> I would imagine. Okay, so now uh, you got you got the, the 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 post the ad set up, and uh, do, you, do you remember this is kind of you know in memory what it was like to get your first booking?
1: I do, and. So, I was on a date, bowling, driving back after bowling, and my phone rings, and it's a guy that says, hey Trevor, this is Rudy. I booked your place, I'm here, where do I go? And I was speechless, because I forgot that I made the room available for that day so i didn't even know that it was possible for someone to be booking for that day so i wasn't expecting anyone and so i tore ass getting home and get there and introduce myself to this guy and he's a different kind of guy and uh, i explained to him look man you're my first guest ever your room is ready. It's clean. It's ready to go. But the rest of the place is a disaster because I just bought it. I just moved in and I'm still decorating. Uh, it needs to be clean. So that's how it started. Wow. That's booking went. I didn't know that I had a booking until my phone rang.
0: So uh, do I guess the, the second day, did you just like frantically clean everything up and make sure the place was uh, up to standard?
1: I did that night. Oh right. um, yeah, I just set everything aside and spent the evening cleaning everything in the commons areas and making sure that the place looked proper and spotless.
0: Yeah. And were you able to get feedback from him on that process or not? Not really.
1: Well, he left a five-star review for what it was worth, Nice, but, um, yeah, we didn't really chat much.
0: Were you surprised at the the review at all?
1: No, because he was wanting to extend his stay. And I think that given that he wanted to extend, he would have just said anything nice in order to stay.
0: Got it. So, hey, you got your first five-star. You got your first stay, and it's a five-star. So did things immediately start ramping up after that, or was it pretty slow going?
1: Uh, They... They did start ramping up because I only had that one master bedroom listed at the time. And after he left, I I had both rooms listed. And I went from having no guests to one guest to two guests. And I quickly learned that I really prefer 30 day bookings uh, for a lot of reasons, but especially because I don't have to clean as much. Okay. And. Uh, I started having a lot more 30 day guests and figuring out my preferences.
0: Uh, I guess besides the, the cleaning part, what, what about the 30 day booking do you, do you like,
1: uh, depending on where you live, there are definite tax advantages. Um, if you have too many short stays, the IRS will count you as a vacation rental and that will bump you into Schedule C versus Schedule E. Schedule E is passive income, Schedule C is active, it requires you to pay, I think it's a 15% self-employment tax. Wow. On top of everything else. So, and you have to file estimated quarterly taxes for Schedule C.
0: Is there a particular threshold for how many of those bookings you can have before you become Schedule C to Schedule E?
1: There is a flow chart and a formula to help you determine where you're at. And the answer is yes, but I don't know what it is.
0: Okay. So, I mean, that information, is that like readily available? Or do you know this because you're just so deep into, into the, the game?
1: I, I think both. Uh, I think that it's readily available if you're so deep into it that you you know to, you know, look for these sort of things.
0: Yeah. So okay you got you got these uh that's it this is so so fascinating to me how you could go from you know one person okay now people are booking my place to now hey i'm just doing this and it's normal right at one point it was very it must have been weird right i mean even though you're open to it it's just kind of weird that you're finally a host right it's going from this yeah. concept to re- to
1: reality it was weird and it was frustrating at first because I lived alone for 10 years. Wow. This was a massive lifestyle change for me. Um and I'm a very sound sleeper. So when someone walked down the hall, I could hear it. I don't care if it was at 6 a.m. or 10 p.m. or 2 a.m. I was up and That was a frustrating challenge. And suddenly sharing, sharing my space with strangers. Actually, I prefer living with strangers versus people that I know. Uh, Strangers come and go. That's why I ultimately chose Airbnb was because I don't want to sign a six month lease with someone that I end up hating after two weeks. With Airbnb, it's constant turnover and it's just easier You know, if you don't get along with someone, that's okay. They're going to be gone soon. You can be nice to them. They can be nice to you. And everybody goes their separate ways. But uh, it's definitely an adjustment. So
0: I kind of want to like pull on that one a little bit, right? Uh, What happens if you have a six-month booking and after the first month, you just don't get along? Like it's not even I can't stand you, but there's actual maybe even antagonism.
1: Well, fortunately, I've never had a six-month booking. I set my uh, limits to three months max.
0: Oh, okay. That makes sense.
1: And uh, I'm really hesitant to do anything over two months. I'm hesitant for a month if I'm there because, yes, this is a business, but, yes, this is also my home. And... The last thing I want to do is feel uncomfortable in my home. I've had guests, a couple of them, that I've had to have conversations with to the effect of, look, if this is what you need to do, if this is the behavior you need to follow and display, then I'm going to need you to go somewhere else. And if you don't have to be this way, if you don't have to do these things, then great. You're welcome to stay here until time to check out. And then you need to leave.
0: And do they take it very well? I mean, they kind of have to, right?
1: So far, uh, I haven't had any problems yet, any major problems. And as you know, I try to be pretty direct, but I try to be pretty fair, so... As long as someone isn't aggressing on me, then I'm going to try to to reflect back whatever behavior they're showing me.
0: Okay. I I mean, I think that's honestly the most reasonable approach that exists, right?
1: Right.
0: (laughs) Let's let's be level-headed and treat each other like we know what we're talking about and uh, assess the issue. So I want to understand, uh, okay, so we talked about this in the beginning. You... Are clearly, in a different property now, right? So, something must have happened while you were living in that condo where you decided, Hey, this is really great, I want to go buy another place. I want to know what was happening in your mind, and like, what I guess, what convinced you to go do that?
1: Well, my goal is to move to Budapest in four years. Everything I'm doing right now is to further that goal. The way that I see making that goal happen is through having enough passive income to be able to move abroad, pay my bills here, and pay my bills there. Um, in order to do that, I've got to buy more places. I've, I have to acquire more properties and get them rent, rented and get income coming from them in order to, you know, be able to fulfill this dream. And this year, the money was good. Um, it, I was hoping to buy a place every six months. And I ended up starting the search, I don't know, about nine months after. So I was a little bit behind my timeline. The money was good. Uh, COVID was happening. COVID was a thing. And still is. But work was getting slow. I was getting bored. And nothing good happens when I'm bored. So I decided to pull the trigger. It was time. Again, I thought it was going to be in another market, just like I thought before. But ultimately, it was going to be easier to just do another house hack. And that's what I did.
0: So now you're living in the second place and the first place is kind of operating on its own?
1: Correct, after you moved out. Um, Mark came back okay. for uh, like six weeks and there, this other guy, Matt, checked in. And Matt is a, a guy that has just moved here and he has real estate dreams himself and I pitched him on the idea of being a live-in property manager, taking care of the day-to-day and paying a reduced rent um, to, to work off or to make it work. Yeah. And he agreed. So we came up with a price and he's been doing that for the last couple months.
0: Oh no! And it's been going smoothly. You have someone basically managing just that property, or both?
1: Just that one. Okay. Um, I don't have this one listed yet on Airbnb. Okay. Or rather, I do have it listed, but I don't. I'm not accepting guests yet. And I can tell you, for a fact, that I never want to manage a property myself again if i'm not living there i will manage this house hack myself but when matt moves out i will hire a airbnb property management company to rent out the whole place and take care of it for
0: me oh so you're going as far as to you know an actual company not not an individual correct uh, what i guess is it because you don't want it to be volatile you want it to be consistently maintained
1: Um, I hadn't really thought about it. It's just when you have an investment property, you don't want to manage it yourself. Then you get a property manager.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the thing I don't like about the property managers, they will not do the room by room, um, rentals like I've been doing, but as long as they're able to you know, get the nightly rental rate and up high enough and make sure that I'm booked frequently enough, then, then I'm good with giving it a try.
0: So does that impact your uh, status in that tax, in, in reference to that tax, uh, I guess, item that we were talking about between active and passive income?
1: It makes you even more passive okay. because you're having a third party manage everything
0: Got it. And uh, do you have to come up with some kind of agreement based on your earned income with this uh, property management company or is it like a fixed rate?
1: This one particular company that I'm looking at is surprisingly cheap. Normally, Airbnb property management companies are between 20 and 40% wow. of your bookings. Wow. And these guys are charging
0: 10%. What's the catch?
1: Um, I don't know. I haven't found that out yet. They use a algorithm similar to Beyond Pricing to set your prices, and they um, book or list you not only on Airbnb but all sorts of other platforms. So,
0: is it a fixed contract, or can you kind of terminate it at will?
1: Uh, Terminate at will.
0: Okay, so if if the you know if it doesn't work out, there's a bit of safety in. And backing out.
1: Exactly, and that's another thing about it with them is they're paying for all of the photos. They're you know putting seemingly money and time into getting your property listed. So they're taking more risk than I am.
0: Yeah, I mean it. it really does seem that way. Interesting. So this is yeah, this is quite new, to, quite new to me. And uh, I mean, you're living in this home right now. Uh, this this one has been quite different, right? Because not only is it not a condo, but you are doing the renovations on your own, right?
1: So far, yes. Um, and it's definitely not a condo because I had to shovel snow yesterday for the first time wow. in a couple decades. I was not happy about that. The whole time I was thinking, why am I not living in a condo? Why did I not buy another condo property? But... No, I've started doing uh, the basement stuff, adding a bathroom, adding a bedroom eventually. I have done some demolition down there. I primed the basement floor to get it ready for self-leveling cement. And at this point, I'm trying to decide what's better, spending money or and saving time or saving time and spending money. My goal and plan is to refinance this property in April, March. And I gotta make sure that these things are actually done in order to do the refinance.
0: What, uh, what are the mechanics of refinancing? What are like, why, why is that something that you would do?
1: Well, the property that I purchased It was a four bedroom, one bathroom property. It was $330,000. By just adding a bathroom, it will be worth around $400,000. Wow.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's crazy, but it is. At least that's how it rates to the other comps in the area. And by adding a fifth, bedroom it will surely raise the value how much I do not know but by refinancing I can pull out extra equity let's say the property is worth 400,000 and I owe 320,000 there are local credit unions that will give me a cash out refinance at 100% loan to value Wow, and they will let me borrow four hundred thousand dollars of for my property. I use three hundred and twenty to pay off the previous mortgage. That leaves me with eighty thousand dollars to pay off my uh, acquisition costs, holding costs, remodeling costs, decorating costs, etc. And that should leave me with enough money for a down payment on another property. Wow.
0: So yeah. in my mind, what I would do then, right, is go find the shittiest place in the best neighborhood, go renovate it, refinance it, take the, the, the difference, and then just do it all over again.
1: <laughs> you just nailed it. Yeah. Uh, they, the old adage, location, location, location. And if you can buy a place that's undervalued and distressed and you have the money the time or the acumen to be able to do the rehab then the burr method is for you it stands for buy rehab rent refinance repeat you buy a place that is below market and distressed you rehab it, and you're probably buying that with either cash or a hard money loan. Uh, The places that are truly distressed and undervalued, you can't get a conventional loan. You do the rehab, make the improvements, make it livable, make it pretty, then you rent it. You rent it because you want to have signed leases showing the income from the property With these leases, you can qualify for the loan more easily. They will count 75% of that income uh, towards your income. Wow. So if you have uh, $1,000 in leases, they will count $750 in that as extra income for you to be able to buy that property or to uh, finance that property.
0: And uh, I mean, suppose you have like, Five leases, which is very reasonable, right? That puts mm-hmm. you at five times seven fifty, which is close. I mean, it's a pretty chunk of change,
1: right? That's a yeah. If you have a five-bedroom house, and you're doing rent by the room, and you're charging a thousand dollars per room. Then you could realistically have five thousand dollars a month income from one property that only costs you, you know, two thousand dollars a month.
0: Right, and not only that, but they're actually counting that. Least towards your income. So then when you go to qualify for a loan, you're gonna qualify for a pretty fat loan. <laughs>
1: exactly. Nice. I mean, up to, up to the loan to value. Uh, you're only able to pull out 75% of loan to value on investment properties.
0: Uh, What, what is that? Like, can you give me an example with some values of what that means?
1: Sure, if it's a million dollars, they will let you borrow $750,000. Wow. It's worth a million. So, say you bought a $400,000 property in an A neighborhood, but it was a D property. You did your improvements. You did the rehab. You did the repairs. And suddenly, this is a grand scenario. It's worth a million dollars. They will let you pull out $750,000. You pay off your purchase costs, your holding costs, and your rehab costs, and whatever the difference is you keep.
0: And then you repeat, because now you have an extra, what is it, 200-something thousand dollars?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, uh,
0: there, there was a term you used in there that I kinda wanna, want you to explain, because you explained it to me, and there was something I was not aware of. It's uh, the hard money loan. Okay. Uh, could you just generally summarize what that is?
1: Sure. If you are buying a property that you cannot get a conventional loan, you have, you have to go non-standard, unconventional financing. Uh, that could be borrowing money from someone you know. That could be private equity. A guy like you or me that has an extra million dollars in the bank and he wants to make a rate of return greater than the stock market. So he decides to loan you $100,000 uh, at 8 or 9% interest. Um, or you have hard money. And hard money is everything the name implies. It's very easy to get, but you don't want to keep it for long because it's an interest-only loan, usually between 10 and 16% interest. And you're also paying uh, two or three points, uh, two or 3% of whatever the property cost is a down payment.
0: Wow. So you really have to be sure about your expected return in that case.
1: Exactly. You need to be damn sure that, you know, your numbers and your timeline and have a, a realistic, uh, budget for both going into it.
0: So what you said there is very, very interesting, right? You have to know your, your, your budget, but you also have to know your timeline. So you're in a property right now where it's your, it's your first property. That's not a condo. It is, this uh, sort of, how would you, how did you describe it again? A half of a
1: half a duplex, half a
0: duplex. Uh, and you're actually doing the renovations. So how do you come up with the timeline?
1: <laughs> well, for me, the timeline is uh, my deadline to refinance,
0: which is the April deadline.
1: Correct. As long as it's done before then, I'm not going to be too bothered. And now what I need to do is create some benchmarks to make sure that I am actually on track to meeting that deadline.
0: And those are very concrete benchmarks, like have the bathroom ready and tiled have the bathroom plumb like the plumbing done like those kinds of di- things
1: exactly uh, level the floor frame the walls plumbing electrical uh floor tiles shower you know that sort of thing right and it all has to have dates and targets assigned to it
0: so i mean you're, you're currently in the midst of this uh, hope. i mean hopefully you'll surpass your I mean, I guess, finish before that deadline, whatever, whatever the proper way of saying that is. Uh, you get this new money. Um, I guess at that point, you're also ready to list. So you probably have been listing guests before then, right?
1: I'm ready to list now. Okay. But I have a couple trips planned. Oh. And I will set those, my bookings available starting uh, January 7th.
0: Okay. So, I mean, okay, then that's going to roll. It's going to roll well before April, right? Uh, when you get that, when you do that refinance, you pay off a lot of these costs and you're, you're already thinking about the next place.
1: Yes. Um, I am trying to find a place in the Phoenix area. My mother is, uh, retiring and she and my stepdad are moving to Phoenix. I'd like to find a place that I can Airbnb and that will allow me to block off dates from the calendar when I want to visit so that I can stay and not pay a dime.
0: Wow, that, that's the part, that's like dream, right? You just, yeah. have, you just have your home wherever you, a home wherever you are traveling. <laughs>
1: Exactly. I would love to be a true nomad in that res- respect, a real okay. estate nomad.
0: Is that is that the, the term for, for exactly that?
1: Or is it yes, just, it has it just been coined? It totally is now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so uh, I guess it's interesting. You said in four years, your goal is to go to Budapest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, why Budapest?
1: I don't know. I just... I've had a good feeling from it. The times that I've been, I have a good network of friends. I have, um, I love the food, the architectures, incredible, the landscape, the river that runs between the two towns. Um, that said it's not my forever home. As far as I know, as far as I believe and feel, there is nowhere that is my forever home, but this is a perfect gateway city for me. It is the, the goal that I have created in my mind. And once I get there, there's going to be many more goals in many more places.
0: Right. I guess uh, your, four, your four-year deadline, when did that start? When did the, the clock start ticking on that one?
1: That's a great question. Um, it was around september of last year and that was it was a five-year goal
0: okay so you're you're well on your way you're on to to property number three within a little bit a little bit more than a year right
1: yeah i well yeah about a year and a half i think is what it'll be by the time i actually acquire the next one but the next one Is either going to be a massive house with a pool or it's going to be a multifamily property that has three or four or more units. Wow. I am learning very quick.
0: Bigger and bigger.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So there's a Brandon Turner on the Bigger Pockets podcast has a method of real estate investment called stacking and it's you start with one door your first year two doors additional your second year two more doors after that so your third year you're buying four places or four doors eight doors etc every year doubling i don't see a reason to not do that in fact i want to do more than that i want to buy a small commercial multifamily apartment building. Um, At least 10 units. But it takes cash, capital, planning. Actually, tomorrow I'm meeting with someone who is also interested in purchasing a uh, small multifamily commercial apartment building in Arizona. So we're going to collaborate and... Uh, exchange ideas on that subject.
0: Wow. So that could be the next one. It could. So you it's go from, overhead. how many doors? You go, uh, what is it? What would you call the first one, one door?
1: One, two. and this one is one. One. So I went from two. one to two. Okay. And hopefully the next one will be uh, at least four doors.
0: There you go, and and double.
1: Yeah, and then after that, uh, I'd like to go to 16.
0: Wow. And it just, uh, I guess uh, it, it gets easier and easier, right? That that process of, of buying and thinking about where you're headed next.
1: Absolutely. It's like anything. The most difficult part of doing something is starting something. But once you've taken that first step, that first leap, that first whatever, you're in motion, it's happening. And it's it's all academic from there. In my experience, the hard part is slowing down and stopping. It's not taking the next step forward. It's not taking the next 10 miles steps forward in the next seconds. So trying to throttle yourself and meter yourself is, is essential.
0: Certainly. I think this kind of brings me to an interesting question, which is how do you manage risk?
1: Can you be more specific?
0: I mean, just, just thinking about this, right. You have properties now, right. As you, as you grow, say you have the 16 doors. Mm -hmm. I mean, in my opinion, that that's a lot to keep track of. And if you're outsourcing those being kept track of, you're kind of placing a lot of trust in in the, the, the company or whatever institution that you're outsourcing to. So, you are. I mean, there's there's a lot of risk assessment in even choosing or deciding that you're going to not manage something. And the more properties you have, I feel like unless you sort of step away from it and you kind of go to a higher level, whatever that means, uh, you you are still dealing with the risk on the individual properties, right? Because at the end of the day, it's your 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 property.
1: Sure, um, but you have to. You just have to not worry about that kind of stuff. In my mind, you hire a team. You set up a team to help you acquire properties, manage properties, repair properties. Mm-hmm. You know, you have this whole network of people that you're relying on and counting on. And hopefully, you create policies and systems that allow you to confidently uh, and reliably trust in someone else, which does not come easy for me. I am a major control freak. Yeah. Um, You have to balance where your time is best spent. And for me, well, actually, I'll give you a quote that I said yesterday, I was pitching this investor and I said, he was asking me about risk and management. And I said, I'm not a landlord, I'm an investor. And with that goes finding other people to take care of the things that detract you from where your time is more valuable. So you just, it's acceptable risk.
0: Right. So right now you're still doing the house hacking, right? It seems like you want to continue to do the house hacking regardless of how sort of detached and more of an investor you become, right?
1: I want to continue with house hacking for one very simple reason. You get to move into a property with almost nothing down. I put 5% down on my first place. I only put 3% down on my second place. And 3% of $330,000 is not a lot of money. Now, don't get me wrong. A year ago, $10,000 was a phenomenal amount of money. Two years ago, it was an impossible amount of money. But in the grand scheme of things, someone is giving you $320,000 Three hundred and twenty thousand dollars of their own money, as long as you just show them ten thousand of your own, that—that's good math.
0: Yeah, I think putting it and framing it that way is really interesting, right? It, it, exactly what you said, right? There, there's, there's something to that that I don't think gets explained very well when you're thinking about loans. But I mean...
1: no, I, I absolutely agree, and. The other part of that with this property in particular is someone gave me, I, I put down $10,000. Someone gave me 320000 of their money to use. But I bought this property undervalued. And immediately it was worth about $365,000. So I had 35000 in equity that if I wanted to I could go out and tap into with a home equity line of credit, and use that thirty five thousand dollars to buy another property.
0: Right, but instead so, you chose to increase that the disparity even further.
1: Sure, but my point is, is that I put down ten thousand to get three twenty from someone else, and then I could use or take out an additional thirty five thousand to pay my ten thousand back and have twenty five thousand to, you know i don't know throw up in the air and act like it's raining
0: yeah making it rain yeah that's that- so
1: There's so many ways so many ways and avenues and streams to to have income and to be able to acquire more and do more but it all starts with buying that first one
0: right and i think again like we said that's sort of the hardest one because even in my mind there's this impending doom there's this this risk that i'm trying to avoid it seems like i'm going to be like bald, bald and chained to this mm-hmm. physical location it's this
1: exactly it's a
0: caricature right and it, it's not until you get into the thick of it i think that you can really appreciate it for what it is but also sort of learn like get down and dirty and learn what you need to learn like these these the, the way that you're explaining alone the way that you're explaining this exchange of equity the the, even what equity means right i feel like those are concepts until they become real to you right and it's not until that happens that you actually start to use them which is which is kind of tricky because you should you should be aware of those and then make your decision and that's why that's what i think you're really great at explaining well
1: thank you very much
0: yeah, every time every time I talk to you, I'm inspired. I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go do exactly with that 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 thing where I go buy a, a a shitty property in the best possible area, do the refinance, and just just keep rolling.
1: You should. I mean, there's no reason to not. The only thing that, in my experience, the only thing that holds people back is themselves, because if you it's easy to make excuses. Uh, It's easy to cloud them as reasons. But at the end of the day, there's only a few valid excuses and they're all easily overcome. The biggest one is money. And I guarantee you that if you come up with a plan and you start talking about this stuff to people over and over and over every day, eventually someone is going to listen to what you're saying. They're going to buy into it and they are going to help you on your path because you're going to promise them more money in return.
0: And that's your angel investor?
1: Uh, (laughs) It is an A, A angel investor, sure. Uh, In my experience, or in in my case, uh, I had a Couple relatives that gave me some money to help with my down payment on the first property. And that certainly made it a lot more palatable to pull the trigger.
0: Do you find those then, same relatives coming and trying to invest in you even more now?
1: Uh, not monetarily, not financially, but certainly moral support.
0: Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's great that that, that was an opportunity, and uh, it really—I think it really puts it into perspective, right? If this is—if this is a real goal, which I feel like most people do have the goal of owning a home, and perhaps perhaps they don't want to go uh, to to build like a proper real estate empire. I love I love that, uh, but they just want a house hack until they can afford to uh, you know pay it off or something, right? I feel like that's a very reasonable place to start. Something that might otherwise seem super undoable, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And traditional house hacking is not buying a single family residence and renting out your extra rooms. Uh, traditional house hacking was always hey, I'm going to buy this duplex or this triplex or this fourplex, and I'm going to rent out the other three units. And I'm going to live in my unit for free. But the problem with that is, is in this market of Denver, it's astronomically impossible. It, you would be renting out, it, it would probably cost you $800,000 to wow. buy a duplex. And the you could rent one side of it. Let's say that it got you... Uh, $3,000 a month in income. Well, your combined payment on an $800,000 property is about 4000 something. You know, when you figure your taxes, your insurance and everything else. So it's helping and you're certainly um, the property is appreciating and you're getting principal reduction, but you're still out of pocket every month, $1,000, right? This is a way of mitigating that, that cost in an expensive area.
0: I mean, it, yeah, it just seems, it's like another tool. It's another tool in the arsenal. And I feel like when, uh, when people have have too many options, it's, it's the, the analysis paralysis, right? (laughs) Do I go do this? Do I go do the traditional loan? Do I just work my day job and pay it off and then build equity that way? There are all these, are all these questions. And I think what's really refreshing is to see someone like you who says, "No, this is going to be my source of, this is going to be my source of income, more or less, right? It's not going to be the nine to five thing. And uh, I'm actually right. going to do it. And here's evidence to suggest why I can keep doing it and how I have already been living. Like, where are you headed to? You're, you're going to a vacation, right?" Right, so yeah. the fact that you could even just do that.
1: Yeah, no, it's. I live a blessed and fortunate life, and I just hope that the trend continues.
0: Yeah, likewise. Uh, I guess when you get to Budapest, do you just start it all over again?
1: Absolutely, uh, I will. It's not really starting it over; it's continuing, continuing to make it yeah yeah. my plan is once I get to where I'm going, I buy a property, I rent out rooms by the night, just like I'm doing here. and I just keep building the network and figuring out where is next, what is next.
0: Uh, do you think you'll get to a point, maybe this is before Budapest where you you've built up sort of uh, so sort of this repertoire of, of investment properties or this, this repertoire of investment rather, and uh, you, you want to dabble in some other kind of investment? Do you ever see that happening or do you think it will be properties that get you there?
1: Um, I think the best way to answer that is to say that I'm open to everything. Um, I will listen to any deal on the merits and try to uh, evaluate it as open-mindedly as possible. I'm not above, I mean, I had a freaking Bitcoin miner for Christ's sake. So yeah, I, you know, I'm not above trying everything and seeing what works.
0: Yeah. And this was just the thing that's worked out the best for you.
1: Absolutely. It's certainly the easiest and it seems like the thing that is such a impossible barrier to enter, but it's so freaking easy,
0: yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, it. I don't want to undermine the the, what is called the perception of difficulty, right? Mm-hmm. Because the perception of difficulty is probably way higher than the actual difficulty, but it's still it, real. It's still like it's palpable.
1: No, it is. But the. I find that. I find that. People either have lots of time or lots of money and very little in between. And I feel if you're, and I know from experience, that if you're one of those people that has all the time in the world, you can find a person with all the money in the world and you can balance each other out. They don't have time, they don't have patience, they have this money they're, they're busy making more of it. They want to do these things. They just don't have the time. So if you're someone that has no experience and you have nothing but time, find a money partner, find someone who will let you put all of your time in it with their money, make it happen. These things always seem much more insurmountable than they truly are.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a super well said. It just gets me thinking. It's like, what am I doing here?
1: Yeah, what are you doing?
0: Austin, man. Austin is a bumping place.
1: I've been, ever since you've been touting Austin, I've been looking at multifamily and uh, commercial multifamily properties there. And I, I see opportunity.
0: Yeah. We're going to oh, have to talk about that. I see more
1: opportunity in Phoenix right now.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the uh, the flight f- away from California, the West Coast, the East Coast, it's not restricted. Oh, yeah. So I was I was saying the uh, the flight away from the East Coast and West Coast inland, it's not restricted to Austin, right? I'm sure there are places, like, exactly like you're saying, Phoenix, perhaps, right, that are just right. going to be booming very soon.
1: Sure, but... Or is it not just that? I see Phoenix like Denver five years ago or six years ago.
0: Oh, so it's bigger than that.
1: Prime for a boom. Uh, they just passed recreational marijuana. And they, I, I think there's going to be a massive influx. For better or worse, it, it is what it is you know a lot of people are moving to Arizona right now and for good reason it it's a cool happening place
0: yeah well,
1: not so cool in the summer but it's a it's a hot happening happenin place, happenin place. <laughs> yes exactly
0: wow I'm gonna have to put, I'm gonna have to visit I think uh, it's the it's the plan it's one of those places I really never put too much thought into uh before, I mean, before all of the COVID stuff happened, right? I was really set on going to Manhattan, doing the New York thing, trekking out Portland, doing the Portland thing, going to Los Angeles, doing that thing. But right here we are, and now I think fortunately, right, that I've 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 um sort of adapted, and uh, I checked out Denver. Denver was awesome. I'm in Austin. Austin is awesome. So I'm thinking maybe the next place is this is just Arizona.
1: Well, I'm going there this weekend. Why don't you grab your checkbook and join me, and we can partner on a fourplex together? I
0: mean, why not? I think that's the theme of this entire conversation is why not?
1: <laughs> that's right. Man. The only thing stopping you is you.
0: Yeah, it really is. I mean, I. I kind of, I'm like uh, even taken aback by this because it's so easy to say, you could say it offhandishly. You could say it kind of sarcastically, but at the end of the day, in a lot of cases, that is the thing that's stopping you. Right. Regardless of how, uh, uh, what is it called? What is the word when you, when you, when things are said all the time and nobody likes hearing them, there's, there's a phrase for this, uh, Wow, I'm really blanking on the word. Cliche. Yeah, I'm not it sure might that. be that that might be the word. Okay, cliche. Yeah, well, yeah.
1: That works.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it's it's. There's something really deep about it. I mean, it's quite honestly, this podcast is a representation of of me just doing it. There was a whole ramp up in my mind to how difficult this was going to be, but then I would just hmm. whatever it, whatever happened. I think the thing that really kind of tipped me over the edge was I need to do something. I need. I need to follow through on something, and I just need to take that step one, or step zero, honestly. Yeah. And here we are in episode number seven. I've recorded almost 14 hours of, of, of content. It's so much fun. And, and what there's I was gonna say, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say that there's a, a very simple truth that seems impossible to believe but it's that big changes start small. All you have to do is make one ridiculously stupid, pointless, meaningless little change. Do it every day for a month, and it's going to freaking snowball into you driving a Porsche, or, you know, there's something crazy is going to happen from this. Yeah, I certainly agree.
0: I, I certainly agree. And and I do wanna take this time to say that you explain things very well. I mean, it's the reason why I ask you on to be a guest specifically for this topic. And you should should try it out. You should try out the podcast thing. (laughs) I think you do very well. I think you would, uh, you know, you have this ability to take a very sort of abstract financial concept, right? And bring it into practical use. And that makes it interesting. And your sort of cadence is very—it's like uh, it's very easy to follow. So, so that—that's me on air saying, thank "I you, think man. you should. I think you should do this."
1: Okay, thank you. I'll take that under advisement.
0: Yeah, I can help you start out. I just uh, <laughs> just, just throw throw you up on Spotify, make you real legit.
1: You're an enabler. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's one of the main sort of impet, like one of the real impotence, impotences real impotence behind this podcast is to kind of be an enabler right insight is a play on words right so it's like in insight as in sort of evoke someone to do something promote someone to do something not in a violent way right <laughs> right but uh I, I like uh i mean honestly it's for myself as well like i'm trying to sort of bring myself to action i don't want to be in the place where i'm paralyzed in analysis paralysis just sitting there watching the time sure. go by and sure. i think talking to people like you, and then sort of reflecting helps not only me, but hopefully my, my audience it sort of be, become that way where they're in action.
1: I can see that, but you're doing it, you're yeah. living it. Yeah. You're inviting other people into it with you. So I think you're doing okay.
0: Yeah, thank you. It's, it's not theoretical anymore. The numbers just made sense.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And you're laughing, but you're laughing because you know that that's like my, my everything. If I say if the numbers make sense or the numbers make sense, then that's like finite. It's absolute. It's concrete in my life. And... It's it's a a way that I uh, choose to live my life. It's the construct by which I live
0: and I respect it very much. I think uh, for me the probabilities become quickly intractable and I, I go down this infinite expectation value and I'm paralyzed but if you can cut those off and actually make the numbers make sense or determine the numbers make sense, that's invaluable. <laughs> And again, I'm excited to see where you're headed. I really am. Uh, I'm definitely gonna come visit you in Budapest. And I'm going to, uh, to to see what you've what you've made there.
1: Well you should, but first you should start by visiting Phoenix. Yes. And bringing your checkbook.
0: Oh, you okay, actually. We we, we actually could talk about this. <laughs> I okay. have I have a, a medium sized checkbook. <laughs> okay. I actually, I actually, funny enough, I don't even know if I have a checkbook. I, don't, I think I have like the three checks that your bank gives you when you sign up. And that's
1: it. The starter checks.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's something in commercial real estate called syndication. Okay. And it's where um, an investor puts a deal together and then he brings one or more other investors in on it with him. So maybe we can get a syndication going.
0: What's the, uh, what, are, like, what are the dynamics of that look like?
1: Uh, I'm still learning to be honest with you, but it's guy finds property, uh, guy puts a deal together, uh, guy brings one or two or however other many people into it. Uh, he solicits their money for a percentage of partnership And there are certain advantages for the person putting together the syndication. Like he can charge a percentage as a syndication fee and he can charge this fee and that fee. But more what I'm looking for at this point is just a partnership. I want to get these deals done. I I don't really care. As long as I'm not losing any money on them, as long as it's not really costing me anything, then... I just wanna do them for the experience. Yeah. So if it's something that interests you, come on out, take a look.
0: Hey, I wanna look at Phoenix.
1: Okay, Phoenix is cool, this time of year.
0: Yeah, I would bet this is the perfect time of year to to be there, Mm -hmm. just like now and a little bit after.
1: Yeah, when I was there in September, For the first time it was 118 degrees during the day oh my and and that was bad but it was tolerable at night 10 o'clock at night it was pitch black and it was 104 degrees and my brain just could not comprehend walking out in pitch black and having it being a a sauna
0: yeah i've experienced that before it's very surreal
1: yeah Getting up at four thirty to have my morning coffee, and it's ninety six degrees out. Huh. It just defies logic.
0: I'm pretty sure there's like a, a type of uh, sun dried tomatoes or some something.
1: Hold on,
0: are you, are you still there? Mm-hmm. All right. There's there's like a certain either dried yes. meat or cured to, cured meat that can only exist in Arizona because the tem- the the climate is such that you can properly sun dry them. Is it pemmican? I don't know the name, but I remember seeing some kind of uh, YouTube video about it. All right. <laughs> I thought I would have a fun fact, but it didn't really end up being that fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice try. Man.
0: Well, hey, it's been a pleasure. I think this is this is kind of uh, revamped me a bit more. or I guess revamped me on the the property hunt. I think Good. I think house hacking whether it's in Austin or ends up being in Phoenix, it is probably a path that I will proceed with.
1: If you can, if it's affordable in your area, I cannot recommend enough buying a multifamily property, two, three, four units. You will accelerate your, your income exponentially or at least by four.
0: By four, yeah, at least by four. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to link up with you and see what places you've been looking at in Austin. So maybe I could just go check them out. Okay.
1: Well, you know how to get a hold of me.
0: Yeah, maybe I'll do some some of the footwork there.